waste of seed, or cure for madness, shifting attitude to masturbation. What do anxious parents often tell their kids about masturbation? Those scary stories about hair growing on palms, going blind or infertile. The myths thrive, but the harm caused by this innocent expression of sexuality was debunked by scientists ages ago. Things were going great until man started complicating everything. The ancient Greeks didn't mind masturbation whatsoever. They would even display the process on vases. In the Middle Ages, it was thought to be a sin, which was also reflected in the visual arts. But the true war against masturbation was waged not by priests, but by physicians. How did this happen? Let's take a closer look at history. Cave drawings and carvings show that Homo sapiens started masturbating really long ago, way before the invention of writing or the transition from foraging to farming. One of the most curious finds of archaeology was made in 2005. In a cave on German territory, scientists found a stone phallus-shaped sculpture, 20 centimeters long and dated to be about 28,000 years old. A scene of masturbation was also found in a cave in the Tian Shan Mountains. The carving dating to the Bronze Age depicts a man who is jerking off and ejaculating children-shaped seed with a gay orgy in full swing next for him. American archaeologist Janine Davis Kimball believes this carving to be connected with fertility rituals. The first written mention of masturbation was found in ancient Egyptian sacred texts. God Atum, who emerged from the primal chaos, engendered other gods by touching himself down there. That's why once a year, pharaohs and their entourage would publicly masturbate into the Nile in honor of the ceremony celebrating the creation of the world. In ancient Greece, self-gratification was not condemned, but the attitude was kind of ironic. Nothing to brag about, thought the Greeks, but jerking off was better than suffering from the lack of sex. They used a whole range of funny descriptions singing the wedding song with your hand, marry without a wife, fight against Aphrodite with your hand. Visual imagery was just as humorous. Women masturbated too. They had special devices fashioned for them back then, which were called Bourbons. Herondas, a poet working in Alexandria during the third century BC, wrote a mime about this. A woman named Metro finds out that her friend Carito has already acquired this device, but hasn't had a chance to use it, since her friend named Yabul has indiscreetly passed it to someone else. Most pre-Christian cultures had a relaxed attitude to masturbation. Eastern religious doctrines were one exception, but even those condemned not the process itself, but the waste of seed. Confucius did not approve of masturbation. Things changed as Christianity became more widespread. Masturbation itself is not specifically condemned in the Bible. Onan, grandson of patriarch Jacob, had to marry his late brother's widow and have an offspring with her. Instead, whenever he went into his brother's wife, he would waste the semen on the ground so as not to give offspring to his brother, Genesis 38, 9. For this, God punished him by death. Onan's sin was not about masturbation, but rather about withdrawal during intercourse and refusal to conceive. That's why in the Middle Ages, the church was fighting not against Onanism itself, it was fighting against frivolous sexual behavior. They would even condemn the so-called thought adultery. On the bright side, fans of self-gratification were safe from the hot fire of Inquisition. If they confessed to the sin, they would be assigned to several days or weeks of strict fasting as a disciplinary measure, so they wouldn't be let off the hook. The church would appeal to the sense of guilt and fear of punishment. Physicians, on the other hand, started a war on masturbation on a physical level. This war began back in the 18th century. The word onanism first appears in the pamphlet Onania, published in London in 1716. This anonymous work set the tone for the next 200 years. 
the heinous sin of self-pollution was blamed for impotence, gonorrhea, epilepsy, and loss of erection. Above all, we owe the mass hysteria about masturbation to Swiss physician Samuel August Tiso. His book Onanism, with 63 editions published since 1760, became a fundamental work for many generations of physicians. True scientist, and his contribution to medicine was enormous. His tractate on epilepsy was the first work describing all forms of this disease, becoming foundational for epileptology. Ironically, he is forever remembered as the author of a pseudoscientific theory on masturbation, leading to desiccation of brain tissue, blindness and impotence. Not all physicians were quite as strict at the time. A few works about no harm coming from masturbation were published as early as the end of the 18th century, but nobody took them seriously. What was particularly cynical was that while the official medical science vetoed masturbation, it was still practiced in clinics, petting you guys. It was mainly about women though. Back in the 17th century, it was extensively used by one Lazare Riviere, leading expert on treating madness from the womb. Riviere believed the illness to be caused by harmful vapors resulting from accumulation of female seed in the womb. By permeating the nervous system, these vapors disturbed the rational thinking of a woman and could eventually turn into a true and proper madness. Here's the prescription. The genital part should be by a cunning midwife so handled and rubbed as to cause an evacuation of the overabounding seed. But that being a thing not so allowable, it may suffice, whilst the patient is in the bath, to rub gently her belly on the region of the womb, not coming near the privy parts, that the lukewarm temperature of the water may moderate the hotness of the womb, and that it may by the moisture be so relaxed, as of its own accord, to expel the seminal excrement, and that nothing else be done with the hand, save a little to open the womb, so as the water may pass into the more inward parts. Similar treatment methods were practiced by numerous physicians in the 18th century. Medicine effectively monopolized female orgasms outside marriage. They avoided the word orgasm like the plague. Instead, they spoke about a vaginal massage leading to nervous convulsions and temporary relief. That's what they called it back then. In the Victorian times, the madness of the womb was called nymphomania, with doctors still viewing female sexuality as a disease. In 1856, future vice president of the American Medical Association, Horatio Storer, prescribed a woman patient to give up meat, to sleep on her featherless mattress, and to swab her vagina with borax solution. Seems quite harsh for a woman just wanting a little love. In 1894, a New Orleans mother took her nine-year-old daughter to see a doctor after the girl was caught masturbating. Dr. Block from Charity Hospital performed an emergency surgery to remove the clitoris. Horrible atrocity, especially in the progressive United States. The most prominent and best-known fighter for morality was John Harvey Kellogg, leading sex scientist of the Victorian age and, funnily enough, the inventor of cornflakes. Kellogg himself took great pride in never having sex with his wife during the 40 years of their marriage. The good doctor recommended to perform circumcision without an anaesthetic on boys and to apply carbolic acid to the clitoris for girls. Neither plague, nor war, nor smallpox, nor a crowd of similar evils have resulted more disastrously for humanity than the habit of masturbation, wrote the New Orleans Medical and Surgical Journal. New inventions designed to break this habit emerged one after the other. The most innocent one was Stevenson's spermatic truss, which bound the member between the legs Good thing they weren't chopping off any hands. Sex toys were still widely used in hospitals. Scientific progress made them technological. They would be powered by steam, water or diesel. All methods were good to cure the terrifying nymphomania. That seems like an unsurprising development for a society where men 
had their penis tied to their thigh. For instance, here are the gloves that were supposed to be worn by Australian inmates to stop them from playing with themselves at night. Safe to say that wasn't making the atmosphere in prison any easier. All creativity and imagination that people could muster went towards coming up with intricate devices to stop masturbation. Many of them are actually scary to look at. The madness in medicine wasn't over until the early 20th century. In 1902, Hamilton Beach Company patented the first vibrator in the US, intended for consumer retail sale. All the keen relish, the pleasures of youth will throb within you, the advertisement claimed. About the same time, British physician Henry Havelock Ellis published his Studies in the Psychology of Sex, where he completely destroyed Tissot's theory. His idea that sexuality was a healthy and normal manifestation of the human nature scandalized the Victorian society. The scientist was taken to court for the scandal. The court declared that Ellis's work was nothing but a pretense adopted for the purpose of selling a filthy publication. Other volumes of the work were published in the United States. But the dam had burst, and decade by decade, the attitude to masturbation was becoming more and more neutral. Some myths have proven shockingly viable even in the 21st century. Hopefully, what you've just heard has completely debunked them for you.